Welcome to the podcast series about our textbook, Indigenous Education in Australia, Learning and Teaching for Deadly Futures, published by Routledge. This podcast series is hosted by Marnie Shea and Rhonda Oliver. We are the editors of this book, which is a collection of chapters authored by Indigenous and non-Indigenous educators and researchers on a variety of topics on Indigenous education. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on and the lands of the peoples where listeners are tuning in from today. In this podcast series, we explore the chapters with authors, providing listeners and readers of the text the opportunity to hear authors yarn about their chapters and provide further insights about some of the suggested practice implications on their topics. It's Marnie here, and today I'm yarning with Robin Ober, who authored the chapter Weaving Torres Strait Islander Language and Culture into Teaching and Learning. Welcome, Robin, and thank you so much for sharing your time and knowledge with us today for this podcast series. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, who's your mob, and where you're from? Yeah, thank you, Marnie. My name is Robin Obar. I'm a Mamu Jidipal woman from the rainforest regions of North Queensland through my mother's side and through my dad and his, his grandmother, she has connections to the Bulgunwara people in Western Yalanji and that's also in far North Queensland, so around um, Hope Vale and, and Cowan and, and those places. I grew up in Innisfail in North Queensland and that's where most of my extended family still live today. Uh, still, they still live on, on country, still on the beach where the rainforest meets the sea. So um, our, most of our family lives there. Um, however, I spent most of my life here in the Northern Territory. So in 1981, um, we actually moved from home up um, to the Kimberleys and then I moved over to Bachelor in 1983 and I've kind of, yeah, been in the Territory uh, ever since, um, over 30 years I've been living and working in the Territory. So I'm not Torres Strait Islander, even though my children um, are, but I have, um, in this chapter, I work with Nora um, and Narisha, who are both um, educators and, you know, also uh, academic scholars, and Claire Bartlett, who four of us have written this chapter about weaving Torres Strait Islander language and culture into education. So I just wanted to give you that background. That's who I am. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Robin. And it's a really rich chapter and I'm looking forward to yarning with you more about it. Are you able to share with us a little bit more about your experience? You're a very experienced educator yourself. We'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I guess, I guess even before I started teacher training, I was a a library aide and an Aboriginal liaison officer at the Catholic school, local Catholic school back in my hometown of Innisfail. And I guess that's where I got a taste of, of education and in classrooms and visiting parents and, and, and speaking with teachers and that. And that was, you know, that was just kind of a, a, bit, of, a, a bit of a taster for me because in 1983 I started my a teacher training at Bachelor College, which is now Bachelor Institute. That was in 1983, and um, one of the things is one of my aunties. She she was really passionate about education, and she said, you know, one of the things they spoke about then was Aboriginal children need Aboriginal teachers, and that's you know to mean all of our Indigenous children, um, Torres Strait Islander children. We need our own teachers, and she really encouraged me to enrol in the teacher edu- education course at um, Bachelor back then. After I graduated, I 
went to teach out in Gumbalanya, um, also known as Owen Pally in Western Arnhem Land. It was in 1985, and so I taught in early childhood transition. Then I went over to Catherine at Clyde Benton School and worked with Binjari and uh, Kalano kids in the ESL classes. So that was good experience for me, like going from remote schools into rural schools and then also into, I ended up in Brisbane in the inner city school, the Murray School. Oh, yeah, um, I know the Murray 1988. School. 
going into the Torres Strait Islands or, or even on mainland um, schools, you know, where we have a, a large um, percentage of, of Torres Strait Islander students and probably throughout North Queensland that would be true. So I think um, just thinking about the main message is that what we're saying is that uh, the children, Torres Strait Islander children, come in with strength. So, you know, it, 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 they, they, their strength is based on their language, their culture and identity. And, and um, you know, that's really important to see our children for what they're strong at and, and not, not to disregard that, um, to remember and encourage our kids to bring their whole self into the classroom, to bring their whole self into the school, you know, meaning into the playground, into, you know, outside the classroom too. And, and we also, um, part of that is to give them that pride in who they are. Um, so that, that was one of the things to come from that strength-based approach. And, and um, Marissa and, and Nora spoke about, you know, some of the, some of the issues they had too, where they, where they, at times they felt they didn't belong. You know, they were, mm. they came from different, different times and eras. And Marisha's a bit, a bit older than, than Nora, but you know, some of the things they were saying that, you know, at times we felt we didn't belong. We felt, mm. you know, uh, uh, sometimes a bit, of, a bit ashamed or embarrassed. And I know Nora said that she actually got quite homesick and, and went back home. And so it's really important that we show. And we give this, uh, our children that sense of belonging. Belonging mm. is something that they were very strong about. They need to belong. They need to see themselves as part of that school, uh, school environment, you know, that they belong there. The other thing is, is not only their language, culture and identity, but also what they're exposed to in their home and community environment. So some of those strengths, you know, might even be, um, what I'm trying to say is you shouldn't just stereotype our kids and what they know because they know a lot of this modern technology too. So a lot of these new forms of, of technology, you know, these kids know how to get on social media platforms and mm. that's kind of seen as a strength for our kids. And so it's also about tapping into those kind of uh, uh, intellect. That, that they come in with because mm. our kids are clever, they're smart, you know, they're, they're not, um, they are, um, sometimes they're seen as disadvantaged, but they, they come in with all this um, intellectual brilliance, I say, you know, because mm. I want to I speak that into our kids. They are intellectually brilliant, clever, mm. smart, you know, we need, to, we need to tell our kids that. And so we're coming from really that strength-based approach to see see those kids and to tap into that and to weave their knowledge system into this Western, I guess, this academic knowledge concepts and skills that we know they need to get a, get a handle of. They, they, they need, you know, literacy and numeracy to, to survive and to engage and interact in, in society. And I think that's what, you know, any parent, all of our parents, they want. They want to see their children successful. They want to see them going to university, becoming doctors and nurses, and teachers, and you know things like that. And so it's important that we have we are strong in both ways. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things was yeah, don't see our, our children, don't see Torres Strait Islander kids as disadvantaged or, or problematic or they you know it's their problem. They got to sort it out. You know. Um, but see that as a strength and look for those strengths and use that strength to 
make links or springboard onto new academic um, knowledge that prepares them and empowers them for their future because we're always thinking about investing in their future. We're always thinking about that next generation that's coming coming through. And I think that's one of the main messages is about weaving. You know, we talked about that mat mm. and that weaving that knowledge together into that strong mat that can be used for different purposes in life. And I think that's a great metaphor to use about education. You know, if that mat is weak or if it's Talking about the future, you know, talking about your chapter is a really good connection to the the final question I had for you, I suppose, is, you know, in reimagining a better future for Indigenous education or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander education, what's your future for excellence in Indigenous education? What does that excellence look, look like um, coming from the position that, you know, Indigenous young people are excellent, they are intelligent and they're capable? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I think we have the capability of taking over our own own affairs, our own positions, our, our own professions. I don't think. I think we're at this age now when we, um, you know, we don't need people speaking for us. Mm. We, we 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 are quite capable. We have the opportunities um, to actually encourage our children to step up and to get those university degrees if they wish. I say if they wish. A lot of, you know, a lot of young people they want to go into other things, and that's fine too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think that that um, yeah, vision for excellence. My dream is seeing our people taking over our own affairs and our own businesses. Yeah. But using this both ways approach, using this way of being strong in ourselves, being strong in who we are, but still having that professional capability and excellence of doing, you know, doing those professional tasks and and being able to speak and being able to, you know, um, argue and and have debates and and expand those spaces that that they incorporate our ways of, of being and doing and knowing, bringing our ways into that space like education. Mm. like health, like, you know, law and, and those sort of things. Because too long it's just been one way. It's just been, you know, one fell away. You know, you've got to mm. do it that way. But I think now our our people are so... Um, I think we're at the stage where we can we can encourage our young people to step up. And mm. we, as older people, um, can step up too and kind of, you know, push those boundaries and, and expand it more sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes you know discomforting not only for us but for those who have held those positions of power and so that would be my vision for excellence especially in indigenous education for for, for our, our people to to step up and go into those positions of power and begin to um uh, but with the voice of the the silenced so those ones who are feel they don't have a voice, those ones who feel they are silenced and just on the, you know, on the edges, uh, nobody's listening to them. Well, we need to give them a voice. Mm. We, need to, we need to step up 
and you know for too long it's, it, this has been going on where people have you know people who were sp- supposed to represent and and speak for us it, our voices just just go out into the into the atmosphere so yeah yeah look and and robin i'm nodding and i'm i'm feeling really inspired um, hearing you say that it's about non-indigenous people making space for our leadership because I think you know our people if you think about the elders that have come before us and um, you know paved the way for you know for for the younger generations to even be included in something such as a school space you know it's not that long ago where you know our old people weren't even allowed to access school beyond Absolutely. primary school yeah. my, my dear old father he went to grade three and he was 2 that strength and resilience and like I said I'm very inspired um, by your response to that thanks very much for your time today Robin